life is the same as drifting is the same as the other sports that I've done, which is it only works when you're fully committed. You know, you cannot do a half speed drifting. You have to be committed and have full intention. And that's the only conditions under which things will work. It doesn't mean that they will work, but they definitely won't if you don't try completely. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries, a community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Zandara Kennedy is in the driver's seat today. She is a professional stunt performer and driver from Vancouver, Canada. If you watch movies or TV, you've probably seen her in action, maybe even seen her on fire. She loves to drive anything with a motor, from scooters to tractor trailers, and is happiest when driving them sideways. Her desire to perfect her craft brought her attention to drifting and eventually earned her Formula Drift license in 2021. Zeke completed her rookie season in Formula Drift in 2023 and pioneered the first women of Formula Drift behind-the-scenes tour, showcasing the women working in diverse roles to make Formula Drift happen. Now let's sit back and enjoy the ride. Hello, Femcanics. This is Jamie B coming to you, and I have Zendara Kennedy in the hot seat or driver's seat today. How are you doing today, Z? Doing really well, thank you. We just got done talking about it. You have such a beautiful first name, but your brand leans towards just calling you Z. So throughout this interview, I may say Z, and for fun, I may say Zendara just because it's a beautiful freaking name. Thank you. I appreciate it. And yeah, I started going by Z because I work on film sets and often 200 different people each day. So you'll like, never the time Z. of learning to just call it. me. Z. Yeah. <laughs> just call me Z. A lot of interesting pronunciations. But uh. they say you've arrived when you can go by just an initial anyway. So you have arrived. Well, right. you know, what is it they say? Dress for the job you want. I've tried to just I'm manifesting that level of arrival. There you go. You know, I go by Jamie B just because I like the way it flows. It's like got a mm. flow to it. It's interesting how we met. A lot of the people that I've interviewed, I find them on Instagram or just kind of perusing around. And we actually met twice before we ended up actually talking, talking about stuff. And it's funny how the universe works where it's like, okay, you put certain people in your life once, and if you don't get the message, then we're going to do it again, (laughs) right? So I co-host RTBC, which is for racetrack owners, and we actually met last year at PRI. I think we discovered it was at Beth Peretta's like kind of after party where we chatted a little bit about Women's Motor Fest. Then I talked to the guys at Grid Life. They reached out to you this year, and they're like, you got to talk to Jamie. And then you reach back out to me. and I'm like, oh, my God, we talked before. So we're talking about Women's Motor Fest. And then I dug in a little deeper. You sent me your information. And I have to say, out of everyone that I've interviewed, you are the first person ever to purposely get lit on fire. (laughs) Like, it's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I always talk about cars, automotive, and you do stunts for movies. This is a first for someone getting lit on fire, getting their body lit on fire. Just to be clear to everyone, this isn't a car like getting flipped and it gets caught on fire. This is your body. Did you even think about that as a little girl? Like when I grow up, I'm going to be a stunt driver and I'm going to get my ass lit on fire. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I didn't. I growing up, I wanted to be a circus performer. I did trampoline and contortion when I was younger, and I always envisioned going to Cirque du Soleil, but my familial circumstances meant that I moved across the country at a weird time. And basically, I ended up in British Columbia, which has a very large film industry. So when I discovered that was a job, I really started pursuing it, not knowing much about it at first and not knowing anyone. But no, I didn't grow up thinking I want to be set on fire, but I 
did know I wanted to perform in some capacity and I liked pressure, I guess is the best way of putting it. I, I loved being yeah. the, the one at the top of the pyramid or getting thrown. And there's a certain amount of trust in circus. There's definitely a huge amount of trust in stunts when it comes to wire work. And again, in motorsport, we drive these vehicles at their absolute limits and we have to completely trust that the people, if it's not us, that the people who are maintaining our car or looking at it between laps are doing their jobs fully, you know, that they're basically taking care of our safety. Now, we kind of let the cat out of the bag or I let the cat out of the bag. Just for the listeners who maybe don't know who Z is, like the 60 second commercial, I can imagine being a listener like, hold on, she gets lit on fire for movies? <laughs> wait, wait, hold up, hold up. So maybe just a quick synopsis of, hey, here's what I've done in the stunt world. Just the quick 60 seconds, like the craziest <laughs> things that you've done. I've done a ton of TV commercials. I've done car chases for movies like The Atom Project, uh, X-Men, Deadpool. I've worked on TV shows overseas in Morocco. I worked on a show called Blood and Treasure. I'm a stunt coordinator. I stunt coordinated three seasons of Nancy Drew and a few other TV shows. And I'm a maniac for being behind the wheel. I'm a complete motorsports addict. And now I do all of those things I just described just to pay for tires. Now, that is a great lead-in. Thanks for the lob ballsy, <laughs> which is a great lead-in because I want to talk a little bit about what you do professionally now. Now, you've been professional stunt coordinator. You've done stunts. Not only have you been behind the camera coordinating, you've been in front of the camera. But last year was your first official year of? Formula Drift Pro Spec. Ooh, yeah, high <laughs> five, girl. Now, not only that, you actually made history by being the first? First Canadian woman. There's a few firsts, actually, and I'm going to say them all. So Yes, please do. Uh, first Canadian woman to earn a license and compete in Formula Drift. We had the first all-female battle in Formula Drift history last year with Kelsey Rowlings. I'm also the first openly LGBTQ plus driver in the series. Oh, my God, I love it. <laughs> like... Everything that my brand stands for is about taking stereotypes and just blowing them up to expand people's minds in all people, not just women, right? All people to expand their minds about what's possible. You have stretched the limit on what people believe is possible from a stunt perspective, right? It blows people's minds. But not only that, but what women are capable of doing as well. Thank you for saying that. I mean, I, I don't feel deserving of that, but I'll take it. I will say the sports, like motorsport in general, and the other women that I've encountered in that space have really expanded my view of what's possible for women. And it's been a really big driving force between why I keep pushing myself as hard as I do, and also why I approached Formula Drift to do an initiative bringing women behind the scenes to see the women who are already here. I'm super fortunate. I am currently borrowing the office of a woman that I met through Formula Drift, who is a super badass team manager. And she actually is the person that inspired me to do that because I looked at her and I went, oh my God, you're so cool. And you basically carved this path for yourself. All of the women that are in this space have overcome incredible odds. And just by being there consistently and doing what they're good at, and I want more women to see those women. A race car driver is this really cool job. It's like stunts. It's very cool. You know, there's lots of talk about people get excited, but there are so many women making these really cool industries happen that just, they work so hard. They don't look for the credit. They don't share their own stories, but those are the ones that are really inspiring to me. I couldn't agree with you more, Z. There's a couple of things that come to mind when I'm listening to you talk. And the Femcanic Garage podcast and the way that I interview is known for not going down the predictable path of interviews. And there's a couple of things when you you and I were chatting that blew me away. When I was kind of thinking through this and when we were talking the one thing that I feel gets lost in social media and even in a lot of traditional interviews is the behind the scenes. I hate using the word sacrifice because that sounds like you're losing something when really it's just about being focused on a goal. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. I can understand why you would think of the word sacrifice because I sometimes use the word suffering or I summarize it as crying under a race car. You know, there is a large price, social and up and physical, that the price that we pay to live these extreme lifestyles and, and chase these very extreme goals, it is high and it isn't um it isn't often reflected in the highlight reel that can be social media. 
would you be willing to share any of your story around that? Like what you Absolutely. have been willing to do in the name of, I'll call it a passion project. Um, even though I say that because I could feel your passion in what you're doing with Formula Drift and what you want to introduce, like really bring women into it. And I want to talk more about that. But I think to get to where you are now, I think sometimes people don't understand. They only see the end result. And what I really want to pull out selfishly for me as well, it's like our story isn't crazy different in the sense that I sold my house, left a relationship. Let's get a clean slate. Let's make sure I'm in the right proximity to the right kind of people. I'm mobile, more mobile right now to see where life takes me next. Can you share a little bit about like maybe in the last 18 to 24 months, what your life has been like? When I say behind the camera, I don't mean literally behind the camera for you, but your life, like what it really took to get there. Yeah. um, I'm going to summarize it and then I will expand. So people often ask, well, like, what does it cost to do this? And my honest answer is everything you have, you know, it's not that expensive. It just takes everything. I never intended to be a professional race car driver. I liked my <laughs> my life in stunts and in film. But when I got my license, I realized that I didn't know when the next person like me would come along to have that opportunity. And so I felt like... I and by like this. you, what do you mean? Even just a Canadian woman. There are two women. Up until this year, there were only two women in Formula Drift. And there haven't been many women to compete in the series. You know, those two women come from very different backgrounds and very different backgrounds for me. So I, I did feel, you know, when I looked around and I went, oh, are there any like queer women in the space? Are there any women that like make me feel like, hey, that's me? And there weren't, you know? So the day I got my license, I knew my life had changed, but I didn't realize what it would take. I had been working throughout COVID 80 hours a week on film sets and it was, it was killing my soul. Honestly, I love the job, but a person like me doesn't get into an industry to work and extended nine to five. I'm bad at routine, generally speaking. It's it's not where I thrive. So I had originally decided to leave BC on vacation in January of 2022. And I had a motorcycle in my van and I was towing my race car and I thought, oh, I'm going to have this great adventure. And I made it to Willow Springs Racetrack. And that's all I did. Uh, my, <laughs> my coach is there. And basically within a month, I had decided I was going to compete in a series in Florida called Clutch Kickers. And that turned into basically by May, I had sold my home. I had put everything into storage and I did a 20,000 mile tour of the US. I competed in something like 20 events that year because I wanted to be ready for Formula Drift. I felt that I'd gotten lucky. Circumstances aligned so that I would get my license, but I didn't feel like showing up the way that I was, I'd be making a very good impression. I got to pause you one second because I want people to wrap their minds around that a 20,000 mile tour and you did how many events? I think it was roughly 20 events, but I think that year I did over 90 days of driving on track driving in race car. 90 days? It was a lot. To help people (laughs) wrap their minds around it. Again, they see the end result. And sometimes I feel like I'm saying this so I can hear me say it. I recently read this book called Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Mm -hmm. If anyone hasn't read it, I strongly recommend it. But they talk about gifted people. And it was kind of like this debunking around gifted or genius, you know, the Bill Gates, like these multimillionaires. Some of it's luck in the stars aligning, yeah. some of it, but not all of it. There's still an element of work here. And I think sometimes people who are out here watching, standing outside watching people, that they think it's all luck and it's not. It's been scientifically proven that if you do 10,000 hours of that thing, whatever that skill or thing is, you have reached expert level. But what I think is amazing about you, Z, is that you recognized that, hey, things are starting to align. And instead of fighting it, you kind of allowed yourself to be vulnerable and lean into it. You sold your house, you did all of these things, and then really went all in and did this 20,000-mile tour. And basically, every chance you got, you got on the track to practice, to get those hours in, right? And that's what I want people to get because you're you're in unique person, Z, where the average person wants to sit back and look at someone and say, oh, look at what they got. No, this wasn't handed to you. You saw an opportunity. You made air quote, sacrifices, choices to put yourself in the best position to practice and you just went after it. That takes guts in itself. 
because people get scared of those things. Yeah, it's not an easy choice. And there are times when I think if I had known how hard it would be that I might have made a different choice. But I arranged things in such a way that I couldn't change my mind. What do you mean by that? Can you give just one example of that? I sold my home. I I quit my full-time job as a stunt coordinator. I basically eradicated all of the support structures that I had in place that I would be able to return to to feel safe and keep doing what I had been doing before. Basically, I left myself with no choice. You know, sometimes we do that like, oh, you know, screw future me. I'm going to go to bed late or I'm going to get super drunk. Who cares if I get up early the next day? Like there's that version of it. And then there's a version of knowing that, I guess, the willful side of me, setting things up so that when things get hard, the only way is, right, I have to keep going. And it has been hard. But I've also been really fortunate in that as I pursue this thing, I life is being the people to me that I need to help me along my journey. You know, I'm encountering these people and people have been so generous when they see what I'm doing and they share my passion in some capacity. It, <laughs> This might feel like an isolated journey, like, like a lone quest, that I, but it's not possible without the other people. And I've been very fortunate to find them. I love that. I think that's beautiful because sometimes, especially women, I don't know what it is. Like as women, I don't know if it's part of our DNA. We think we have to go at it alone and we don't and we shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And there's this misconception of women cat fight and are at each other. BS. Like here we are. I'm going to do whatever I can to help get the word out about what it is that you're doing, right? And that's the way all of this works. We're here to help each other. And that's just another myth that's going to be debunked. Let's talk a little bit more about the work that you're doing and your quest in bringing women closer to Formula Drift. So I always say the first race car that I sat in was mine. And I had to build it. I had to have a whole other career become interested in motorsport, start taking classes, just get really stupid about it and decide I'm going to build a race car. Or I even knew what it would be like to be in one at that level. And for me, that was because I wasn't exposed to it. I I never saw it as potential. My family's not into motorsport. Uh, You know, the anecdote I always give is my dad will take my car when he's borrowing it to the shop to change the battery, that kind of thing. Like it's not a mechanical family. I had to learn all of this. But what I learned because I started from nothing and I worked with a coach who basically would tell me how to do things, but never do them for me when it came to fixing my car because they break all the time. That's the thing with motorsports. I realized, oh, this isn't actually hard. Like it's not complicated. It's just most of working on a car is fairly straightforward. You just have to do it and it's probably going to suck, you know? Embrace the suck. (laughs) Embrace the suck. If it's going to suck, do it soon. Like do it first right? That attitude is something that I've really developed. And that's really helped me in a lot of ways, just lean into the difficult moments. But I realized that it was a lack of exposure, it was a lack of knowing that it existed. And this is a thing that I love so much. My favorite thing to do, I love competing. I love driving my car super fast. But the thing I love the most is putting someone who's never experienced a car in that way in the passenger seat and giving ride-alongs. And The thing that I go to when I'm at my lowest is recordings of people's faces when I'm doing that, because it's just the most (laughs) extreme feeling, right? It's not supposed to be happening. I feel like a human roller coaster. And I get to share this thing that I've learned over time to be able to do at such a high level that people are willing to trust in their perspective, like trust their lives to me and let me just do this in a car with them. I love it. I want more people like me to be exposed to it so that they can love it too. I truly believe that the disparity in maybe the gender gap in motorsport is largely due to exposure and people not seeing a path for themselves because they don't see people like themselves out there. I am one of those people that just wants it so badly. I don't care who's around me doing it, but I know that feeling welcome is a big piece. You know, as a woman, I haven't noticed it as much, but as a queer person going into every space and wondering how much of me is welcome whether it's okay to be myself in this space, whether I'm wanted, I know people are asking those questions. So for me, the goal is show people that they're welcome and don't just say it, you know, open the door, create a reason for them to come in and let's build community. Community is something that I really felt lacking. And you spoke a little bit to this concept that women don't support one another. And that is something that over the years I've experienced to an extent, especially in spaces where women have to be exceptional to be in the space. 
we start to create this correlation that, oh, I'm the only exceptional one. If someone else comes in here, either I'm not exceptional or there's no space for me instead of understanding that we got to make a bigger table, right? Let's create more space. And (laughs) my favorite line is, why is the mediocrity reserved for the white guys? There should be equal opportunity mediocrity. <laughs> I haven't and heard yes, that. I want That's to be awesome. surrounded by as many exceptional people as possible. You know, I want to be exceptional. I want to push myself. I want to be around people who hold themselves to really high standards because it's inspiring and it forces us to continue growing. But that doesn't mean I should only be around like women. That are. Everyone has a different goal out of life. My goal is apparently to suffer as much as possible, but also <laughs> achieve extreme things. <laughs> you know, other people's goals might be different. But it's been really cool, like coming into Formula Drift, there aren't as many women as I'd like to see, but all of the women that are there were these exceptional women. And I want to bring a group of women around. Will you talk to them? I think you're inspirational. And it is an old school mentality. I don't think it's totally incorrect, but I think that we can change it and we can change it by being the people to embrace that insecurity around what if I do this and I lose out on something. Because I think underneath that's what it is. There's a scarcity mentality. And when the resources are scarce, we're afraid to share them, not understanding that we can create abundance by sharing. Yeah. So I created another podcast called Women Getting Stupid Rich. And it's just leveraging like my financial background to help women get to that. You got to pick a target market, right? So that's my target market. And what I challenge women's thinking on holistically is instead of fighting for that one seat at the table, so to speak, the whole concept is, and let's be honest, the real secrets and training happens at the golf course at the bar, not at the table anyway. Let's be real. So instead of fighting for a seat at the table, I want to put women in the position to own the whole damn table. Mm. I don't even want them to get more seats because the control is still out of their hands. Just own the whole damn table. And then you get to pick who's at the table. And that's a whole paradigm shift, but baby steps, we got to start somewhere, right? And that's the thing that I noticed in this industry, Z, is the one thing that is holding women back the most is money. It's the money to get the seat time. It's, you know, that's why I'm choosing to kind of focus in that space is to help women get more money in their pockets. It doesn't bring happiness. What it brings is choice. And that's the whole key to it, right? I'm sitting here thinking and just processing what you're saying. You are an absolute inspiration. You've been told that multiple times. And I'll tell you the same thing. You absolutely are. But in all that you've done, you have had such an impact on other people. What I get fascinated with is, is there a person or a moment in your life where you felt incredibly impacted by someone else or some other event? I think those moments happen all the time. Is there one that sticks out in your head where it's like, ooh, man, that got me? For me, it's always been the people who advocated for me when I didn't see it as benefiting them. And that's something that I really try to emulate. So very early on on in my career, I had a few men that were mentors for me you know, stunt drivers or stunt coordinators, and they didn't take the easy path. It was often assumed if a man had a female assistant, it was because they were dating, you know, and and sometimes people would react negatively to that. And I had a few people that I assisted who would really stand up for me, either suggest me for opportunities or when they encountered that resistance, say, well, what's happening here? And when they were flat out accused of like, well, we're not going to hire your girlfriend, they would be like, why can't I have a female assistant? Because she's good at her job. She is her own girlfriend. I have my own girlfriend. There's nothing to do with that. (laughs) But confronting that, those people having those conversations, I wasn't there for that. He didn't have to. He could have taken the easy way out. People advocating for my qualification for a job or, you know, some of the early drivers that I worked for where, I mean, it still is common to an extent, although it's getting much less common. It certainly was much more common when I started. If it was a complicated job, you know, they would usually just get a man to do it, put a wig on him, wig on him, or just tint the windows enough that we don't see it. And I had a few early jobs where the coordinators could have taken the job themselves. And they said, no, I know someone who can do this job. I have the right person for this job. And they put me in that seat and they gave me the opportunity to prove that I had the skill and develop more skill through the onset experience. For me, those moments that the people who create opportunity for others, those are the moments that keep me going. And for me, a lot of those were men initially. I've had the same experience. And, you know, it's interesting because what I do, Z, in the very name of my podcast, Femcanic Garage, I actually had a gentleman write my podcast off at first because of the name of it. And I was very intentional on the name of my company. 
And he ended up writing an article apologizing about falling into his own bias around it. And he and I talk, I mean, somewhat regularly. We stay in touch. And I have found that the biggest mentors and advocates have been men in my life. That's where some people get this disconnection where female empowerment and female opportunity does not equal male disempowerment or taking away from men. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And I feel like there are many men who understand it. There are many people, I think, that for them, these movements are the first time that they've consciously been faced with a space that may not include them. Mm -hmm. And I think it must be a very confusing feeling to encounter at first and not understand, like, this isn't about being against me. This is for these other people to have a space because almost every space that I walk into, I'm welcome in. So I don't even think about it. But those people don't feel that way. Right. And that's where that question of like, why, why do we need a pride parade? Why do we need to have these women's only events? And I've had to explain to people because these are people who historically don't know if a space is for them or if they can be in a space. So creating a space for these people allows them to grow and feel safe where they may not have had that opportunity before. It's not about excluding you because you're not like them. It's about including these people and making sure they have a place. It's almost like a stepping stone. Wouldn't you say Z? Like, When you described your event and what you did at Formula Drift, and you were describing like this group of women walking through Formula Drift where it was unintentional, you said it was creating a scene where everyone came up to you afterwards like, what was that? There were so many women in a pack, right? There's a comfort in numbers, especially for women when oftentimes in these industries, they're onesie twosies. And to have a group of women where They feel safe to ask the question where otherwise they may feel stupid. Not that it's a dumb question, but they may feel that way. And it's about creating these safe spaces to kind of give them that stepping stone. I don't know. It's like the best way I can describe it to where maybe they end up going to the Formula Drift event by themselves or with one other woman, right? Yeah, I think that's a great way of describing it. You know, it is a stepping stone. I think that once people get into that space, they may realize it's not what they feared it was, you know, or not what they expected it to be. And a lot of the feedback was, I had no idea there were so many women in this space because I never see them. You know, I had no idea there were so many girls like me who share the passion that I do. I know that all of those women are still in contact, which is something that was not my intention, but I'm really proud of. I love that now they have this community. And something that I said to them was, if five of you go to a drift event together, like a grassroots event, well, now it's a women's event, right? It is. (laughs) Or we just normalize the fact that there are women at drift events. But being the only one. That aren't just the girlfriend. Yes, exactly. Or the one in the bikini sitting next to the car. Yeah, I do try to avoid that. I found when I showed up with my car loaded full of wheels and tools, nobody treated me differently because I showed up and I was clearly passionate about it. I loved drifting more than I was intimidated by the idea of not being surrounded by other women. I was quite used to it throughout my life. That's such an amazing quote, Z. When you love something more than your fear of how someone else will interpret it or treat you, that you almost become blind to it. I just got chills. (laughs) Like that's straight out wisdom stuff right there. Oh, well, thank you. It's also addict stuff in a way, right? Right. (laughs) Maybe. Two sides to that coin. I love drifting more than I love anything else, as it turns out. Money, having a home, stability, relationships, uh, potential consequence that I will run out of all of those things that I just listed and, you know, <laughs> basically in a van that eventually stops working forever. In but, a van down by the river. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Right now I'm in a van down by the beach. So, <laughs> Well, that's not a terrible thing. I know a lot of people who would love that life. Yeah. A van by the beach. Hell yeah. It is not terrible. So Z, when I researched you and I started going through like your sizzle reel and videos and I'm like, okay, this chick's been caught on fire. I saw the picture of your wrist looking like the letter S, like getting all jacked up. You getting pushed out of windows, stunts, like where it's like, boy, if that messed up, you'd get head on with the semi. That seems very bad. (laughs) All of these things where the average person would be like, that would scare the crap out of me. And here you are doing it as a job, then drifting. And even anyone who hasn't watched a drifting event, you guys drift really close to each other. Really close to walls, all kinds of stuff, right? Which is right up your alley, which makes sense. What actually scares you, see? 
Ah, that's a great question. It's certainly not the fear of breaking a wrist or an arm or all this stuff that the average person would be terrified of. And I'm not saying that maybe you're not scared, but what really scares Xandra? Uh, What really scares me? Well, many of those things do scare me. I've just learned to exist adjacent to the fear and recognize that the fear isn't actually serving me or my survival. I also feel so strongly about commitment and honoring my commitments that if I agreed to do a job, it really doesn't matter how I feel on the day because I said I would do it. <laughs> Honestly, honor and integrity and accountability are big driving forces for me. But um, as far as what scares me is is not knowing what if. I think that's really my driving force. If you have three days to live, Z, and your biggest fear is the what if part. I am very hungry for experiences and for life and to really know my own limits. Am I afraid that I'll completely run out of money and that this will all have been a huge mistake and I could have been like in a comfortable life? Probably, but a really high level stunt coordinator in Vancouver and also a pilot, he said to me at one point when I was really struggling, he said, yeah, and the only thing worse than doing this would be not doing it. And he's 100% right. (laughs) I so concur. You and I are in very similar places in our lives right now where I sold my house. I got out of an eight-year relationship. It just a complete reset. And I left my cushy six-figure job and went out on my own to start my business. And it's probably one of the scariest, most exhilarating things I've ever done in my life. It's like all the emotions wrapped up in one. But I was curious to hear your perspective, knowing that what you do for a living, people watch it and they're afraid and they're not even the ones doing it. <laughs> like they just watch it like, whoo, my heart's racing watching Z do it. I can't imagine actually being the one doing it. So to get your perspective on this is very, very powerful. And I hope people listening to this connects the dots around that, where it's not about the outside physical world. It's about staying true and really listening and honoring what you're hearing inside and actually doing it. It may not be traveling God knows how fast towards a semi head on. (laughs) It may not be lighting your body on fire and hoping they put it out in time or whatever. (laughs) Like It's actually wholeheartedly jumping in with both feet and chasing your dreams. And that is scary. Yeah, it is. It's terrifying. But I think life is the same as drifting is the same as the other sports that I've done, which is it only works when you're fully committed. You know, you cannot do a half speed drifting. You can't try half the way to do a double flip, for instance, I used to be a trampolinist, right? Like you have to be committed and have full intention. And that's the only conditions under which things will work. It doesn't mean that they will work, but they definitely won't if you don't try completely. I tell my kids this all the time around if you don't ask or go after something, the answer is always no. But if you do, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah. And that asking piece, it's funny because I'm someone that does a lot and takes a lot of chances and really never says no to opportunities. But asking for things has always been hard for me. Asking for a job that I wanted, asking for sponsorship money, all of those things. And something that I is actually quite consistent between stunts and motorsport is it really is about networking. It's about letting people know you exist and creating a reason for people to want to take a chance on you because they are taking a chance on you. And that's why and asking them so much rejection. What I realized in film, and I've tried to transfer this over is what are they going to like not hire me even more? 0% is already zero, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not losing. There's nothing to lose. I'm already at the bottom of what I could get from that person. So the only way that that's going to change is by putting myself out there by seeking the rejection. When you seek rejection, when you actively try, it's harder to get rejected and it's harder to fail than you think. I'm going to say that again. Oh, God, you're dropping all kinds of knowledge bombs on the listeners. That's an interesting perspective. Seek rejection. Don't be afraid of rejection. If you seek rejection, you're not really getting rejected because you didn't have anything from them anyway. So is it really rejection? Now, this is another thing I'm fascinated with as well. Given everything that you have done, Z, what are you most proud of? That's an interesting question. And it's an interesting time to ask me that question because I'm not currently riding a high of achievement. You know, when I look back at the last two years, I've accomplished a lot, I've done a lot of things, but I don't necessarily feel that the crop is fruiting, I guess, you know. But right now, I'm in that state of just hoping 
that all you're of cultivating the, the soil right now put in will come out. Yes. And, uh, you know, maybe there's a few sprouts coming, but for anyone that's ever gardened, you know, many sprouts do not make it to become anything productive. I'm proud of the journey that I've been on. Honestly, I'm most proud of the people that I've been able to convince to take up the thing I'm passionate about. I'm really proud of the legacy I have. In Vancouver, there's a lot of women that drift now that didn't before, a lot of women in film that are focusing more heavily on the stunt driving aspect. And I try to support them as best I can. But I'm proud that I was able to share something I love with people and they started to love it too. And it's affected their lives. I mean, did I share cocaine with them in a sense? Yes. But <laughs> but also I've watched these people get empowered and start these journeys and build this skill set that they were afraid to. And I had a moment, I had a friend that came to Formula Drift Utah, came to support me because she knew I didn't have any family there. And she said to me, hey, do you remember you took me to the drift pack with you? And it was one of the first times that you were drifting in Evergreen, which is in Washington. And you said to me, this is possible for you. You can do this too. And I was like, I don't remember that. And she's like, yeah, well, now I'm drifting. Now I have two drift cars and I love it so much. And that for me was this moment of like, oh, I don't feel like I'm changing people's lives. I just love sharing what I love. Moments like that where people are like, this thing you did changed the course of my life and I don't remember it. I think that's really cool. I love that. Mm, That's the good stuff right there, isn't it? Z, what's next for you? Uh, well, Formula Drift again next year. They've agreed to let me do the women's event basically at as many rounds as I want, but I don't want to do it when I'm competing because my goal is to have a certain level of achievement as a driver. So I will do the women's tour at four rounds. I'm seeking partners to help me bring in different female apprentices to each round, as many women as possible to move on to Formula Drift. series in Los Angeles kind of soirees, you know, we mingle, we maybe have a cocktail, then we learn about some element of vehicular mechanical components, whether it's wheels, whether it's suspension, whether it's basics of engines, and create a space, again, like you mentioned, where if you're asking a question, it's it's safe to ask a question that might feel silly, and it won't be because you're a woman. You know, you're in a safe space for learning, and learning is encouraged, and we want it to be fun. And really, I want to build a community, and I want to demonstrate how many women are here with this interest that are just looking for somewhere to go, you know, looking for people like them because I've experienced that. And I would latch on to anyone that made me feel like, oh, you're, you're kind of like me. I can do it because you're doing it. You know, I mm-hmm. want to introduce these women to each other. So those are my small plans for next year. Small. It's an interesting mm-hmm. definition of small. <laughs> and the thing I'm most excited about is that the day after New Year's Day, I get to drive a fire truck. Are you kidding? Are you? No, I'm totally serious. I like just I, drive it or like drift a fire oh, truck. I don't. Th- I don't think I'm drifting it, but I'll be driving it as a stunt <laughs> driver. And I worked on this show before. I'm not going to name the show, but I worked on it in another capacity. And I saw fire trucks. And I basically this is a prime example of ask for the thing. I turned into it like an eight year old boy, and I told the stunt coordinator that day probably about 40 different ways. Just so you know, I'm qualified to drive fire trucks. If you need anyone, like I know someone who can drive that fire truck for you and it's me. You should definitely call me. I'm available if there's a fire truck, like just every possible way. And so now we sort of have this joke where he'll message me and he'll literally just message the word fire truck. And I just say when. (laughs) I'm very excited to start my year driving a fire truck because it's the one thing that you can't rent it. You know, like it, it's very hard to get yourself into a fire truck and anyone who's into vehicles, like anyone that I say universally, guy, girl, if they're into cars and I'm like, I get to drive a fire truck. They're like, really? <laughs> I know, I I'm like, what? Like There's most so people buttons. are happy if it's they can really sit cool. in one or when it's parked, just climb up on the side of it. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of vehicle where we just don't have access to it. Yeah. And that's a very cool moment. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for all the other stuff and, you know, the women and the racing that's cool you know yeah but, yeah for sure yeah, but the fire truck man <laughs> yeah i mean you can't buy that <laughs> the stunt that you have done that you're most proud of so there's a couple for me for me i really like the stunts where it's sort of up to me if i succeed and fail and the stakes are high i yeah. do not like them beforehand i find the pressure to be rather a lot one of the most technical stunts that i've had to do was for the adam project we did a chase scene with a vehicle and it's a 80s GMC Jimmy. I think we called them Broncos the whole time because they're basically they're all the same truck, really. 
People are going to hate that I said that, but they are. Uh, <laughs> I got you though. I got you. Uh, there's a whole off-road sequence and I'm like, there's, there's a car chase on the road. I slide the car. We end up in the forest and we had this forest road that we had made and they wanted me to basically slam on the brakes. I open the door, a flying guy on a hoverboard hits the door. And then I basically slam it in reverse, do a reverse. Wait, you literally had to open the door yourself and try to? Yes, but we did it in cuffs, right? Well, still, yes. you're driving and doing it regardless. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of elements that happen, but you know, this is why we rehearse. This is why we work with professionals so that we can achieve these things. But the stunt on that show that was the hardest was I had to do a reverse 180 between these two physical trees and we'd set it up in the parking lot. And I, and I these sort of are that legit trees in a forest, real trees. Um, so I walked the path and I looked and I looked at the car and I did not pull out the measuring tape <laughs> and I went, okay, I'm pretty sure if I'm going to do it, this is the spot. You know, and I love those jobs where they're like, can you do it? And I'm like, I think so. You know? <laughs> they're like, great, let's do up, it. Yeah. And then it's up to me. So we did it 11 times. And as I'm doing this, I have a cable cam moving beside me and I have an ultimate arm. So who are you doubling in this movie? Uh, Zoe Saldana. I only doubled her for the driving. One of my good friends was her, a much better double for her overall. So there's a Mercedes with a camera on a crane off the front of it. And the camera is like in my windshield, right? I have a camera beside me. I'm reversing. I have two stunt doubles in the car, We're not in like helmets or anything, right? If we need to see the faces, uh, I do this reverse 180 and I do it 11 times. And I think on take nine, there's like the little reflector, like little orange reflector on the front of the chrome bumper. And I just like, just sheared that off, like just on a tree. You did it 11 times and that's the only thing that happened to it? And I would say there was probably about eight inches of wiggle room, like diagonally, tree to tree, you know, for the car. So that was a very challenging stunt. That was a very challenging show overall. Just the, we were shooting 12 hours a day. It was peak COVID. Everyone was masks, visors, the whole thing. And it was just nothing but car chase. So it was really cool to be doing, but it was so high pressure and really difficult. And that particular stunt, when we finished it, I was like, proud of that that was hard <laughs> yeah wow now what about the fire scenes does it look worse than what it actually is i'm very good friends with the guys that founded a company called fire for hire in vancouver and they have a proprietary gel that is basically a thermal barrier between mm -hmm. the fire and your skin and the way that fire stunts work is if you're wearing clothes then you know you wear a dry layer then you wear like a layer of clothing that is soaked in this gel and then you have your outfit on top and you have basically, until you get hot, you can be on fire. And then when you get hot, usually you do whatever you've signaled <laughs> and they'll put you out. And you might get minor burns, but you don't get major burns. For sure, the first time that you're on fire is psychologically challenging, right? Like there's a very human, very natural, intrinsic, like primal desire for people to get away from fire. You do have to fight that urge. But once you get used to it, it's actually quite a calm thing. And I always try to remember all of the steps that I need to do to get to whatever the action is, you know, go through the room, knock over this plant, try to save the baby, like light all these <laughs> things on fire. <laughs> and I've definitely had a, a scene like that. Um, so it's, it's a lot to manage. Save the and baby, knock all the shit, set these things. My God. I mean, that's the piece that people don't realize about stunts and about acting. Sure. Can you do this thing? Yes. Do it in the context of a scene and don't forget to hit all of these beats while you're on fire or before you get thrown across the room on a wire. Or, you know, we are inhabiting that character for that moment of time. So it's not just being on fire. It's what is that character feeling when they're on fire? Why are they? What, you know, yeah. what are all the other elements that are happening? There's really a performance element to it. I don't find fire scary. I really trust the guys that I work with. I've done a lot of fire safety stuff myself. I recognize that it's natural and human to gotcha. be afraid of fire. But as you know, like many people also have this draw towards fire. Why do we have campfires? It is basically a source of life for us, right? And, it's and a, soothing. It's, humans have a complicated relationship. It is interesting. There's like a paradox to it almost. When I think about drifting and your move towards drifting, listening to you talk, it actually makes a lot of sense. Because when I watch Formula Drift... It's almost like a dance between two cars. It's so fascinating. And there's a stunt element to it because when you watch the professionals do this, they are really close and close to each other, close to the wall, close to everything. <laughs> like, yeah. It's basically forcing the car to an uncontrolled state, right? Because you're skidding. But that's actually not true. 
there is actually control to it. It's understanding your machine. That's so accurate. And I'll go one further. I'm much more comfortable sideways in a car than forwards at high speed. One of my biggest barriers has been Formula Drift. The tracks that we are on are, generally speaking, much faster than other tracks that we get the opportunity to drift on. So I have a like a mental limit in a way, or I did have, you know, where my body is physically used to going a certain speed and not faster than that forwards. Once the car is sideways, I feel completely comfortable. But it really does come down to you have to feel the machine. You have to really be connected with the machine. You need to be able to anticipate what the other driver is doing and trust them to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, and it's sort of like fire in this sense, it's much safer to be closer than to be at a distance Hmm. because there is this gray area of distance in Formula Drift. The cars are making a lot of smoke, right? If you're right beside the other car, you can see it. When you get here, you get buried in the smoke and you can't see anything. And a contact from 10 inches away versus a contact from 100 feet away, the relative difference in speed, velocity, the impact is much lower, actually, which is counterintuitive. But the safest place is as close to the other car as possible. Wow. Also fascinating. What I can tell you, Z, and then we'll hop into the red line round, which isn't going to be red line for you because that's, (laughs) you live your life in the red line (laughs) round. But in my bucket list is to sit shotgun with a professional drift driver. And my hopes were always to be sitting shotgun next to a woman that was the drift driver. We may be able to make that happen for Women's Motor Fest in Southern Cal. And boy, it would be an honor to sit shotgun with you and have my first experience ever experiencing that you being the one driving. So Hopefully we can make that happen, but um, it's definitely in my bucket list. And are you at liberty to share any, maybe your top three favorite videos from people sitting shotgun with you? There's a few on my social media. I have a couple of personal favorites. So I used to have this routine when I was working full time on Nancy Drew, where uh, now that I'm not employed by CBS anymore, I can openly say this. I would take directors or actors on weekends unofficially to a spot that I had that was totally illegal and give them ride along. So I can certainly <laughs> contact them and ask. There is one that is on one of the actresses' social media. So that one I can definitely share with you. Okay. But uh, I'll, I'll find a few. If you could find a few, I would love to meld that in with our interview video because I'm pretty sure I may have wasted at least 30 minutes to an hour actually watching and, and not necessarily just yours, but like ride along videos of people's expressions on their face. And I totally understand why that's one of your favorites is watching the expressions and experience of the people that sit shotgun with you. I love it. And I'll tell you some of my favorites were grandparents. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my God. The stuff that comes out of their mouth is like priceless. The younger crowd, I feel like they try to play it cool sometimes and just laugh. But grandparent level, they just don't give a shit. Like anything will fly out of their mouth. <laughs> like this is awesome. I just love it. Well, I tell you what, Z, let's launch into the red line round. It's just five rapid fire questions. No right or wrong answer. Whatever pops into your head is the right answer. Are you ready? Uh-huh. No. <laughs> you are <I'm> not nervous. <laughs> I'm not. What if I get it wrong? I know you just said there's no wrong answers. But... Yeah, no, we're good. All right. Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? There's so many women. Uh, very early in my career, there's a woman named Melissa Stubbs, one of the top stunt women who's built an incredible career for herself. You can look her up. She's a director now, uh, just instrumental and just so badass, just never cared. Along the way, I've met many more inspiring women, but she was the first. Awesome. Where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or you feel stuck on the job? Internet. I, I have always been an internet person, but I'm not a fan of videos. I like forums. Interesting forums. This just popped into my head, and this is not part of the red line, but I have to ask what do your parents think of this? Were they like terrified? How old were you when you uh, got in the industry? Like the first time you were caught on fire, or you did a stunt? I started doing stunts when I was 18, but I had been doing circus my whole life. And I was a kid that, like, when I was three, my parents found me with tar on my pants and discovered that I had been climbing out the window under the roof. So I don't think they ever expected anything else. They just want me to be happy. So they weren't like scared because a lot of parents, especially helicopter parents, right? <laughs> like they would be like terrified, like bubble wrap you. Well, if they are scared, they've done me a kindness and never shared that with me. 
Gotcha. What excites you most about what you do? The stillness in the car, the folk. When I feel in control and fully silent, everything is happening. It's this stillness in such a busy, loud moment. In a way, it's not quite excitement, but it's this thing that I crave. It's almost like a meditation to you. Yeah. The way it sounds. Oh, I love that. What is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in the industry when you feel stuck, unsupported, or discouraged? A personal habit. Looking at the things I can control and trying to start with them. It's very easy to get overwhelmed with all the things that are not going the way that we want or that are outside of our control. But for me, it always brings me back into feeling empowered if I can figure out what I can control and what can I do with this thing that wasn't what I wanted. But how could this be an opportunity? I'm always trying to look at that. And finally, what is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in this industry? I think a lot of people will say this, and that's just do the hard things. You will find you are more welcome than you think. You'll find there are more resources than you think. Uh, my mother used to always say, jump in the net will appear. Wait, say that the again? Jump in the what? Net will appear. Jump in the net will appear. Ooh, <laughs> chew on that for a moment. Like I just visually imagine that, but what an appropriate metaphor. Although for you, it may not be a metaphor. <laughs> for the majority of the population, I think that's a metaphor. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Where and how can people connect with you, Z? I'm most active on Instagram. My Instagram is Z Drives, Z E E Drives, or Z E E Drives for our non-American audience. Um, I'm a little bit active on YouTube. I'm building that up during my off season, and also website zdrives.com. Z, thank you so much for being in the driver's seat on the podcast. I so appreciate what you're doing. I hope that one day in the very near future, you get to scare the shit out of me while I'm sitting shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> and experiencing that and then I can put that video on my social channel so people can make fun of me <laughs> Maybe. and you can do that as well <laughs> it would be an honor to make your top 10 thank you again for taking the time out to share your story with the community thank you for having me it's been really really fun my name is Zandara Kennedy I am a stunt woman and professional formula drift driver and I'm a femme mechanic Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website at femcanic.com for swag and the links to the resources shared during this episode. If you want to help grow this community, subscribe, rate, and review. And most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?